Last week, the European Central Bank announced a record hike in Eurozone interest rates. The ECB is playing catch-up in its response to rising prices. The United States Federal Reserve and the Bank of England have been raising rates for some time now. The ECB's president, Christine Lagarde, cited high energy costs, among other factors, in her warning of another rate hike later this year and a potential recession in 2023. But amid recent signs that global inflation is peaking, are the hikes still necessary? That's a key question. And this is No Ordinary Wednesday, an in-depth look at events and trends, moving markets, shaping the economy and changing the game. A warm welcome. I'm Jeremy Max. To weigh in on this thorny question, we welcome Investec Wealth and Investments Chief Investment Officer for Switzerland, Annalise Piers, and Chief Investment Strategist for South Africa, Chris Holdsworth. So to Annalise, you first, and thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. So a massive 75 basis point rate hike by the ECB to increase the cost of borrowing, which I guess in theory should make people spend less and save more. So my question to you is what motivated the move and has it come too late? So basically, we're all seeing inflation very high because of the cost push inflation because of energy and food, particularly the energy crisis we have with Russia. The problem is that we are having now a cost of living crisis in Switzerland. So hiking interest rates is lovely. I think they did it for the market and to make people feel that they're doing something. Also because you have a bit of a problem or disconnect between what's happening in Germany and Italy, for example. If we look at what is happening to cost push inflation is running quite high and they have to hike interest rates so that in future they can cut it. They've been very uncomfortable to have negative interest rates before, but I personally think that they are going to make a mistake because Europe is already in a recession. Yes, inflation is high, but it is not a consumer-led inflation. It's absolutely a cost push inflation. I suppose when it comes to a decision like this, timing is always critical, isn't it? Yes. And and I think nobody views that this will be a long-term rate hike. They will probably when the consumer rolls over, because if we look at what is happening to cost of living, what they call a cost of living crisis in Europe, in the beginning of the year, what people spent in Europe on fuel and food and energy was 11%. It's now going up to 30%. So it means your consumer has a lot less money to spend. And remember, Europe did not get bailout packages in the COVID crisis, similar to what you saw in the US and the UK. So the consumer is not in a great position. Yes, employment's looking good. Yes, there are some salary increases, but a 2% salary increase doesn't imply that you can pay for a 20% increase in your food and energy bill. Annalise, that figure of 30% that you mentioned is most alarming. You talk about a recession. You talk about the cost of living crisis. We know then that European governments have stepped in to announce relief packages to ease households' energy bills in particular, I think to the tune of around 376, 380 billion euro. This may soften the blow of high energy prices, but the net effect is that people have more money to spend. It won't help in the fight against inflation. So are we in affecting fiscal policy and monetary policy pulling in different directions? 
as I say, it will just soften the blow of the energy crisis. It's not going to ease anything for the consumer. We've been very slow to recover after COVID because there wasn't those handouts, those packages that you received in the US and the UK. So I do think that the recession is basically led because of China's slowdown. Europe is very dependent on growth in China. China is growing only because of exports. Europe cannot export to China, who is our biggest export market, because there is just no demand. So the problem with for Europe, because it's an aging population, it's not a consumer spending economy. So the consumers live, but a lot of the GDP growth comes from exports. So with them increasing a little bit on the fiscal side, I don't think it's going to create huge inflation later on. Is the hike necessary? I think the hike, as you said before, is just for form's sake. It's not going to do anything. Maybe we could draw a comparison then between Europe and the United Kingdom. In that country, the new Prime Minister Elizabeth Truss is on a collision course with the Bank of England by tapping fiscal stimulus to win votes. The central bank, on the other hand, is trying to rein in inflation. It really is a a battle of wills at the moment. What are your thoughts on that situation? I think once again, she's going for the easy solution. And the easy solution is to cut taxes. She is in a terrible position. She's taking over the most unpopular government since the 1970s. They're running 10 points behind the Labour Party in the polls. Luckily, they only have election in 2025. And that's not going to change anything for her because I think the UK is also going into a recession. Problem for the UK is that they have a big growth problem. And none of the prime ministers addressed that problem. Instead of bringing in a bit of infrastructural spending, trying to get growth going, they're all just cutting taxes, which at the moment with that energy cap she's putting on, the energy cap means that the inflation is going to be, say, 10% instead of 11% or 12%. It's just moving the inflation problem in the UK out. Now, the UK has a bit of an inflation problem. It's a little bit different to Europe. Once again, it's cost push inflation, but they also have inflation because of Brexit. So she's inheriting a bit of a mess, and I think her policies are not going to change anything soon. All right. Annelies Piers in Switzerland, stand by. I'm going to come back to you in just a moment. But at this point now, Chris Holdsworth, uh, welcome to the podcast. In your Macro Monday video on Investec Focus last week, I think you said there's strong evidence that global inflation is slowing. Pick up on where Annelise was reflecting on. What positive signs are, are you seeing? What, what's informing your opinion? Hi, Jeremy. Yeah, if you look outside of Europe, there are a number of signs of inflation rolling over. If we started transport costs, for example, the cost of shipping goods across the globe, putting them in a container, are down around 40% off the peak. If you look at the cost of shipping dry goods across the Pacific, so iron ore and wheat, that's currently trading at a two-year low. And there are a number of other indicators too. If you look at the price of used vehicles in the US, it was down 4% last month alone. That's the biggest decline we've seen since COVID. And again, there there are other indications as well. If you look at the price of gasoline in the US, it was down 13% last month alone. And so there are a number of indicators to suggest that goods price inflation is rolling over quite aggressively, in which case you land up with central banks sort of stuck because there's expectations which are still elevated, and we can touch on that shortly. But the latest goods prices are coming down as services remain elevated. So they're not sure which series to look at, and that raises the possibility ultimately of some degree of policy error. 
So let's pick up on that then. What is informing central banks then in this decision to continue hiking rates? And is this going to continue for some time? The issue that they face is that they're very worried about their credibility. They didn't see the inflation spike coming that we saw before. And that has dented their credibility to some degree. And that's partly reflected in what are still elevated inflation expectations over the coming few years. And that's something that worries central banks immensely. They view that as an attack on their credibility. They want long-term inflation expectations to be closer to their central bank target of inflation because ultimately it's part of the Fed's model that inflation expectations drive inflation. So they worry that there's this residual view that inflation will be partly sticky and therefore inflation will be sustainably above 2%, and they need to do what they can, in their words, to get those inflation expectations brought down to 2%. So when we talk about some of these inflation series rolling over, what that means is US inflation at this point is running at around 8% versus the above 9 it was a couple of months ago. It's an improvement, but it's still quite far away from the 2% target of the Fed. And they're so uncomfortable, and they will likely remain uncomfortable until inflation gets to the point at which inflation expectations get down towards that 2% as well. So they're looking at inflation expectations, they're trying to control inflation expectations, and that may come at a pretty severe cost for the global economy. Which begs the question then, with this credibility concern that you outline, how is this going to impact decision-making going forward? What's the strategic intent? The view from the Fed and a number of other central banks is that they will err on the side of lower growth to ensure that inflation comes down. And and that's a shift because over the past decade or so, it's been quite reliably the case that inflation was low and central banks could err, specifically in developed markets, on the side that inflation would be low and they could provide accommodative policy. But when they're concerned in the way that they are at the moment and they're sending out the messages that they are, the framework changes. And they're more concerned about the possibility of inflation being above target for a little while than concerned about the knock-on consequences of having lower GDP growth. And so the the net result of this is that we should expect them to overshoot. They don't know where the neutral rate is. And the only way they're going to find out where it is is by hiking until the point that they get there. And that will come with lower growth. And I think that's what we need to pencil in. Someone someone will have to be quite brave to second guess the central banks across the globe and and claim that they're bluffing. And they're sending a message and they're quite resolute in that regard. And, And as a result, we should just pencil in the fact that we are likely to see a knock to growth over the foreseeable future as central banks mean business. Is that lower growth philosophy that you outline very risky or is it more prudent and perhaps welcome in a conservative mindset? That is certainly the view from the Fed. They would argue that it's more important to get long-term inflation expectations under control than to suffer a few quarters of negative growth. The jury is out on this. We don't have a very informed view around long-term inflation, what drives that. By we, I mean the global economy, including the Fed, the academic literature. Inflation is very tricky and slippery at best and quite difficult to forecast. Whereas we know what the short-term consequences are going to be of hiking. And it's that trade-off that I think we, we can question. It does mean that we absolutely guaranteed will have higher levels of risk over the short term, and it doesn't absolutely guarantee that we'll have lower risks over the long run. It may well be the case that the best course of action would be for central banks to be more prudent, and in a few years' time, we would look back at this as 
an example of, of policy error. But the reality is we can make those judgments with the benefit of hindsight. They're in the hot seat at the moment and they are there when inflation is high and they've got one tool that they can use and, and they're going to use it. Now, Chris, let me ask you to extrapolate that thinking into the equities market, if you can. So we've got this hawkish, safe, conservative approach by central banks. We have seen markets starting to recover. Is it a rally or do you think the prevailing trajectory from here on in is perhaps upwards? We've had a a negative risk score for a little while now, which doesn't mean that we're completely out of the market. It just means that we're a bit underweight. And part of the reason that we've been underweight is uncertainty around the central bank response function. How will they react when markets dip? Will they stick to their guns and continue to hike? And we were worried that they might. And so that is part of the reason we took some risk off the table. And I I don't think we're seeing anything to, to shift that view. It's quite likely to be the case that the U.S. will go into recession within the foreseeable future. And at the same time, the Fed is signaling that they don't mind that. Now, in that sort of environment, you would want some form of compensation for risk going into the market. And the reality is the U.S. market isn't cheap, not by any measure. And as a result of that, I think it's still probably worthwhile just keeping some risk off the table and waiting for a better opportunity. We'll continue this conversation in just a moment. Before that, though, I'd just like to remind you quickly that a new episode of No Ordinary Wednesday drops every fortnight. Don't miss it. Subscribe to Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the channel, please take a moment to rate us. Annelies Piers, back to you in Switzerland as we move this conversation to growth outlook. You referenced earlier that uh, Europe is in recession. What's your forecast timeline on this? I think it depends a little bit on what happens in China. The growth slowdown that we have in China is man-made. I do think central bankers can exacerbate the growth problem. I'm a little bit more critical about the central bankers, I think, than Chris is, because the problem is growth is a little bit of a coincident indicator where inflation is a lagging indicator. And if you look at growth momentum, that is starting to stabilize in Europe and in America. However, if if the central bankers continue to hike interest rates, I think they can make a big dent. So I agree with Chris, our biggest risk is the central bankers. But the fact that Powell changed his inflation target from personal consumption expenditure inflation, PCE, to actually headline inflation doesn't help matters either. Core PCE is coming down quite nicely. I think this week we'll have some more surprises on the downside on inflation because Yes, companies and and people look at employment and say that America is at full employment. But ultimately, the reason the companies have not started retrenching because their real wages have been quite low. So if you suddenly see companies retrenching people because inflation is coming down and real wages are going up, then the Fed will have a different problem. And as I say, Europe has followed a little bit in the footsteps of the Fed because there is pressure on the central banks. And the debate, as Chris mentioned, is very alive out there about inflation expectations and inflation and future inflation. Now, for me, inflation in Europe, if it's cost push inflation, you cannot push it through to the consumer if they do not have money to pay. And that is not permanent inflation. Annelies, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Chris, I'll give the final word to you then. What does all of this mean for us on the southern tip of Africa? 
Jeremy, I think it means that we land up hiking rates in SA, but for the wrong reasons. We're doing it because the rest of the globe is, is stuck with US of inflation at 8% and their target is 2 they're going to hike. With Europe of inflation at 8%, target is 2 they're going to hike. Our inflation is also around 8%, but our top end of the band is 6 We've got more flexibility. We don't need a hike, but we're being pushed in that direction because all other central banks are hiking too. So it's a, possibly a bit unfair for SA consumers. It's certainly not the case that we've got excess demand in SA, but nonetheless, we will bear some of the costs of higher inflation across the globe. But it's not all bad. Because Chinese inflation is still very low, at about 2.5% or so, the Chinese authorities have space to stimulate. And that's unique. We don't see the same opportunities in Europe or in the US. And that's possibly a shining spot for SA. Our mining exposure, our commodity exposure, should it be the case that we see an increase in stimulus out of the Chinese authorities, which is what we expect as our best case, that provides an element of support for commodity prices and an element of support for the South African economy in this globe of higher short rates. That's the voice of Chief Investment Strategist for South Africa and a regular guest on this podcast, Chris Holdsworth, along with uh, Annalise Piers, Investec Wealth and Investments Chief Investment Officer, talking to us from Switzerland. To both of you, thank you for joining me on No Ordinary Wednesday. Please join us again on the 28th of September as we continue to explore money trends shaping your world. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, search for Investec Focus. Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts and hit that subscribe button. Until next time, goodbye from me, Jeremy Maggs, and the entire Focus Radio team. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Limited and subsidiaries, authorized financial service providers, registered credit providers, and long-term insurer.